0: The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.
1: Good morning, Long Island, and welcome to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM, keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas, again, so glad that you can join us this morning as we share and explore all relevant issues related to autism spectrum disorder. My guest this morning is Thomas Island. Thomas was diagnosed with autism at age three. He went on to pursue and leave the career as a certified public accountant to begin his business of come-to-life coaching, which is based on the title of his award-winning best-selling book, Come to Life, Your Guide to Self-Discovery. Tom is a certified human potential coach, diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant, and the only Toastmasters International accredited speaker with autism in the world. In addition to speaking at the United Nations twice in 2019 and having a TEDx talk talk titled, How to Come to Life, Tom recently became the first American and second person in the world on the autism spectrum to finish a full Ironman triathlon. Welcome, Tom. Hello, doctor. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh, what a renaissance man! I mean, what a pedigree! I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know where to start. I, I really don't. But you know, as as I went through a little bit of your 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 background, I know it will catch a lot of people's attention that the trajectory of your career changed in a huge, huge way, as you say, going from accounting and uh, what made you want to leave and that career behind, but. You know, I'm thinking before we even go there, maybe you could just spend a couple of minutes talking about the diagnosis of autism, when that occurred, when you said age 13, and what that meant as a departure point for some of your decisions.
0: Certainly. So I was born in Illinois in the mid-80s, and my aunt, that's my mother's sister, was the autism specialist for the state, and she thought that I might be on the autism spectrum, And she brought this to my mother's attention, but my mother didn't want to have any part of it, didn't believe that her firstborn son could be on the spectrum. So my aunt had some other ideas and actually took me for an informal screening without my mother's knowledge, disguising it as a play date. And I didn't think twice about it. It's like, okay, I'm solving puzzles and playing games with my aunt. This is fun. Little did I know that I was being screened for autism. And the the diagnostic criteria at the time said I had to have an intellectual disability or to be less PC, mental retardation to have autism at the time. And since I didn't have an intellectual disability, I didn't get officially diagnosed. But fast forward to the mid 90s, when I was about 13 years old, the diagnostic criteria changed. I don't have to have an intellectual disability to fit the autism diagnosis criteria. So that's when I was officially diagnosed. And my mother eventually came to terms with it, as did my Father. And there was one day where my brother and sister, they were both younger than me, they're getting calls from friends looking to hang out after school or on the weekends. And I asked my mom one day, Mom, why doesn't the phone ever ring for me? Mm-hmm. And she had to think on her toes pretty quick. She could have said that I don't have any friends or I don't know how to make friends, but she explained, You're still learning how to make friends. Mm-hmm. And that's when she and my dad sat me down and proceeded to explain to me what. Autism was that I have this pattern of differences and I'm like, well, I don't want to be different. I want to be like everybody else. I thought that my brain was broken or that something was wrong with me. So after I faced my own darkness, my own demons and thought, how I'm going to come out of this. My parents assured me from the get go that they would not stop fighting for me, that they would love me no matter what and that I'm worth loving and fighting for. So that set the tone within our household for a, a united front and putting myself on the path to a good future. And if there are any parents that listen to this, I want them to know, I couldn't accept my diagnosis until I knew my parents had accepted my diagnosis. And that was a huge prerequisite to my happiness, to my success, to my sense of well-being. So if you're in denial about your child's diagnosis, I encourage you to find a way to, in a sense, get out of your own way. Know that this is part of the family now. Like, one person has autism, the entire family has autism. But when you come together, have unconditional love as your basis, and you can start having a good life for yourselves.
1: Absolutely, Tom, a- absolutely. So, first of all, the underscoring the importance of unconditional love, which sometimes, you, if you're very fortunate, you can find it in your family, especially with a good mom, and the idea that she's, she uh, was able to respond so quickly on her, on her feet to such a poignant uh, uh, a question. Uh, prior to the diagnosis, did you have a sense of, feel, or did you feel different in the world, even at that point prior to some kind of label? I,
0: I knew I wanted to have friends, have a girlfriend even, but I also found that I loved talking about stuff I wanted to talk about, like movies. I could talk about, for instance, Star Wars, ad nauseum. But my peers were like, okay, can we talk about something besides Star Wars maybe? Or or why aren't you asking questions about us? We hear all about you. Maybe ask about us. And that didn't really occur to me at the time. So as I've grown up, I've discovered the importance of what's called a two-way street in Mm -hmm. conversations, friendships, relationships. Like if if you call somebody, like when I first wanted to hang out with a girl I liked, I called her, left a voicemail looking to hang out and wait for her to get back to me. I didn't hear back. I thought maybe she can get the message. I call her again, left another voicemail and she still wasn't answering. I thought maybe third time will be the charm because uh, third time would be the charm in a lot of my life growing uh, down the road. So I call her again, leave another voicemail and she went on to tell my sister, if your brother doesn't stop calling me, I'm going to the police. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I didn't know the social cues. I didn't pick up on that she might not be interested. I just wanted to, to date her so my family came up with an analogy of a tennis game so i serve the ball to somebody i call somebody they have to hit that ball back to me because i if i keep serving 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 and calling 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 calling, calling, then that's going to scare them away so i basically get two calls now two serves of that ball and if nobody hits the ball back i have to find another girl to play with find someone else if no one's reciprocating but People on the autism spectrum in particular, myself included, were so determined. We want to see things the way we would like them to be and we will fight for, be really dedicated to making that happen at the expense of us looking like clueless a-holes because we don't know the social rules or norms of the situation.
1: Yeah, I find it fascinating the way your parents were able to illustrate that with a good visual example that you could relate to and would you agree that just in general in terms of understanding each other period you know period even outside of the context of autism one way to do that is just what happened with you through metaphor uh by by finding something that we can relate to and drawing some kind of in this case a visual example and it seemed to me that from what you shared for you that landed and
0: i find that uh by using my special interests or things that i really like to do to relate to the situation at hand, that that helps a lot. So for instance, back to the girlfriend topic, my sister gave me some really good insight. Like she knew I loved video games. And if I wanted to be with a girl, like I couldn't go straight from like one date to like kissing or touching her in an intimate way. So she, my sister related to video games. You can't get to level four without going through levels one, two, and three first and and no cheats. So no skipping levels, like putting in a code or something, you can get to that. Next level, no cheats. <laughs> so using that special interest to relate to the situation at hand, and I can approach that in a more appropriate fashion, then that had more success in my life. And even there was a, a client I had recently, I do coaching of young men with autism. He had difficulty going to his professor to ask for help. And I know he liked Marvel Comics, and I knew the X-Men were part of Marvel Comics. So I said to him, okay, Pretend you're an x men and you're going to see Professor Xavier for help. And his face lit up and he got the confidence and the courage to go ask that professor what needed to be asked. So by utilizing the special interests that people with autism and other developmental disabilities have, they can start to what I like to call be the hero in their life.
1: Interesting way of framing it. So really capitalizing on something we know in this case, uh, a, a special interest and you know that cues us nicely for what i started to reference which was your moving initially into accounting and then way away so i'm gonna ask you was accounting ever a special interest or how did that emerge as something that you pursue you became a cpa and then put that down
0: So I knew from a young age that I was really good with numbers and I love Star Wars. So I made it my goal in life to be George Lucas's accountant. That's what I had. And I told my parents about this dream of mine and they could have told me, Tom, get real. That's a pipe dream. He's not going to hire you. Find something else. Instead, they told me, all right, you want to be George Lucas's accountant? You have to go to college. You have to pass difficult tests. You have to find jobs in the entertainment industry. He's not going to hire someone right out of college. And I said, all right, challenge accepted. So I went, got my bachelor's in accounting, passed the CPA exam. It was a very difficult test, but I kept on the course and got licensed, worked for Disney. Right out of college doing property taxes as an intern. I did that for three tax seasons. One of them as a supervisor. And after I left Disney, Disney actually acquired Lucasfilm. So the way I see it retroactively, And indirectly, I kind of was George Lucas's accountant and I felt like (laughs) I'd accomplished my goal. And I stayed in accounting for years, doing tax, corporate stuff. But by then I realized how miserable I was. I dreaded going, sitting at a desk, crunching numbers all day. And I felt like I belonged somewhere else. And I heard more and more stories of my peers crashing and burning in life because they didn't know themselves. They didn't love themselves. They weren't being themselves. So I had to start telling my story.
1: I'm gonna ask you to hold that thought. I'm gonna ask the listeners to stay with us because that's exactly where we're gonna pick up. You're listening to DDI on Autism on one oh three point nine FM, my guest, Thomas Island, coach and author and triathlon winner, I mean it's the whole the whole stay with us, we'll be right back. Welcome back, Long Island. You're listening to DDI on Autism on 103.9 FM, keeping an eye on autism and giving a voice to its Long Island community. I'm your host, Dr. Michael Romas. Continue my conversation with Thomas Island, coach, lecturer, and try <laughs> where I left it. Thomas, triathlon winner, so you kind of do a little bit of everything. But really, when we pause in the conversation, we were talking a little bit about an interest you had in maybe bridging. Uh, a natural affinity for math and for numbers, with another interest which was around entertainment and especially uh, Star Wars, and that brought you into the world of accounting uh, with some success. And then over time, you put that down to do to follow other other initiatives. Maybe you could speak to that a little bit and take us a little further along on your journey. Yes.
0: Yeah, so I knew I had that goal to be George Lucas's accountant from a young age, and in order to build up my experience i began working in entertainment companies starting with i don't know if anybody listening remembers those brick and mortar video rental stores like hollywood video and blockbuster video i i worked there for a few months uh, putting shelves uh, putting videos rather back on the shelves operating cash registers taking inventory updating advertising and such so i got some valuable retail experience but i also got some valuable insight into how the corporate world works For instance, Blockbuster was getting rid of late fees back when I was working there, but they didn't really disclose that very well to customers. So when customers come into the store all angry that their movie was sold to them and they're asking me why that happened and I'm getting a lot of customer frustration from that and that kind of made me see, okay, maybe a job in retail is not for me and also knowing that my say in corporate policy might not be very big. So I had that in the back of my head as I started working towards other jobs. I also did uh, concessions at a movie theater with Regal Entertainment Group. And I was always selling, like upgrading and upsizing with customers. So I was a pretty good salesman in that sense. But I, I really wanted to be behind the scenes in a corporate environment. And I was very fortunate to be able to work for Disney straight out of college, doing an internship. Went on from there to work at a big four accounting firm, Deloitte, did a summer internship with them. Had some temp jobs with universal music group. Princess Cruises, Harbor Freight Tools, some really big name companies, and finally got a permanent job with benefits full-time. So that was really one of the, a big goal of mine as I worked towards doing accounting to have a full-time permanent job with benefits. So I could have insurance, I could have retirement, I could have these benefits that full-time salaried employees have. That, and that was a huge thing I was striving for. And I finally get it only to discover Wow, I don't really like where I am right now. This is not the lab work I'm feeling really, really good about. Almost sick to my stomach on it. So I had to walk away from something that I thought I really wanted my whole life.
1: Yeah. Isn't it funny how some of the perks of a, of, a, yeah. of a position, some of the securities and even the money, really not necessarily enough? And I also found myself thinking, Thomas, when we were speaking to us, uh, that even building a career on your strengths, uh, may not be enough unless it aligns, aligns with your interests, and I think that 's what you 've kind of sh- demonstrated in some of what what you 've shared. so you make this decision to move past or away from accounting and then also some of your other experiences you describe a little bit about where, what you felt you were good, just a little bit about what you're good or maybe not good about what you're gravitated to or not so what what 's the next step? How did you 're leaving accounting and where are you going?
0: So, the crossroads I found myself at was I had the choice of staying in a corporate job, making money, but mm-hmm. feeling miserable, or going towards my own business in a sense, like becoming an entrepreneur, not having a consistent paycheck, but being happier beyond my wildest dreams. And in the end, I figured money cannot buy happiness. Mm-hmm. And I think if I am my happier self, I can make others happy and that'll breed more happiness. So I ultimately decided I need to leave a kind behind, completely cut that cord. And mind you, my parents, when I first told them about this, they thought I was nuts. Like, Tom, you worked (laughs) so hard to get to this point. Now you just want to let it all go? And I said, yeah, I feel like crap in an office. Mm -hmm. And they kept telling me, no, stay a little longer. But then they went to bed that night and asked themselves, who are we to determine our son's happiness? Mm -hmm. So, they ultimately accepted, as they did my diagnosis eventually, that my happiness matters and I need to pursue that happiness. Just like our Declaration of Independence, the pursuit of happiness is given to each and every one of us. So, I'm now looking to find myself, figure out what I want to speak on, and my mother and I ultimately put our heads together and wrote a book together called Come to Life, Your Guide to Self-Discovery, because that is, I think, what a lot of young people need to know and hear. My epiphany I had when I was in college, I could not sit back and wait for life to come to me, like for some miracle to just drop into my lap. Life doesn't come to you. It's up to you to come to life. You have to be the one to go out there Find out where the action is, whether it's in person or virtual in this day and age, and see what you can offer, whether or not you're accepted, see if people can relate to you and you to them, so then you start to be on the path towards the life that you want to live.
1: It's such a compelling uh, title, and even the way you just explained it, kind of like bringing yourself to the party, bringing yourself to where life is happening, and then You know, it's for me anyway, embedded in the title is also the idea of coming alive. So as you come into, right, and you come into that forum, you also are. So I, I love the title and, uh, and I like the fact that you were able to collaborate uh, on this with, with your, with your mom. Um, what was that like? And, And what were some of the themes that you wanted to put forth? What does it mean, uh, to come to life?
0: So my mother had a history of family advocacy. She was a family advocate for 300 families over the course of 10 years in Santa Clarita because she was going into my educational meetings from a young age with me, going to bat for me. Other families got wind of it. It's like, can you help me get my kid services, come to my meeting? So she's making money as a consultant and was a past president of the Autism Society of Los Angeles. And she has a history of teaching police officers about autism and what they need to know. So I kind of went under her wing in presentations and speeches that she gave. I told some of my stories here and there. And to this day, she and I still go around the country uniting police and developmental disability communities so that they understand each other better, the two parties. And also on a similar note, I also know that my mother and my father for that matter, they're not gonna be around forever. Mm-hmm. And so, as I grow in my entrepreneurial spirit, so to speak, I've started to think about and build my own brand, my mm-hmm. own clientele, have some my presentations that I can call my own to where my mother is not involved at all. And I think that's really something that's been sort of my subset of come to life. Like, yes, your parents are going to be with you, but then there comes a day where they won't be around And I think that is a major pain point in a lot of families' lives because a lot of families think, or parents might be thinking, my kid's going to live with me until one of us dies. And that's the reality that they've accepted, whereas my mother and father thought, Tom's going to have a a life to call his own. We're going to find a condo for him, and we'll have him shop with us for that condo so he can move in there when he's ready and i and i do live in a condo now i've lived here for 14 years my family owns it i pay them rent every month but i have my own space i have my own freedom my own independence so they saw a future for myself and i see a future for myself and i know that i will be okay when my parents ultimately pass but a lot of families don't have that same feeling of comfort and that's something i'm looking to address with my clients, and really broaden that conversation. So what's going to happen after the parents
1: go? Yeah, I think families in general struggle with that, even with, uh, with with kids who may not have the same kind of challenges. I mean, it is a struggle to make sure. The whole movie was what? <laughs> failure to launch, right? What we yes, uh, the- Matthew McConaughey. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah. So really, uh, isn't that an essential part of parenting to do everything we can do? to ensure that our sons and daughters are fully prepared or as best we can help prepare them for real independence and and therefore a richer richer life experience. You've already demonstrated pretty much, haven't you, Thomas, by by some of the endeavors that you've already undertaken between your writing and your speaking and your physical prowess. I mean, you've already shown, I think, a lot in the way of um, that ability and that capacity. As you know, there are a lot of families that Really, wouldn't have the exact same luxury uh, with, with someone who's as capable as uh, as you are. But nonetheless, I think this is at the the corner of, of our conversation um, thus far. You know, we're moving to, uh, uh, to to the end of this show, and we're going to have a part two. Of course, there's much too much here to unpack and to do this in one really short session. I'm gonna ask you to come back. But you did mention your involvement with the LAPD and some of the legal ramifications and also the training that might be necessary to prepare the community at large for some of the implications around them full independence and some of the trouble we can get in when there is full independence okay so I'm going to ask if you don't mind Thomas to hold on to that thought for our listeners to hold on to that thought we'll likely start there next week again when we meet so thank you so much Thomas Island our our listeners stay with us next week make sure you come back you are listening to D V I on Autism more to come